on. Are you grateful for an amazing worship team here at the house? Wow, wow, wow. Feel God's presence so strong this morning. Hey, you can be seated uh, here in just a few minutes. I have the honor of helping introduce uh, one of my heroes. Um, uh, two of my biggest heroes are in the room, and that is simply my mom and dad. And uh, they are the greatest in the world. Just want to do one more shameless plug, and I don't even care. Uh, we've got House Young Adults tonight. And my mom's going to be speaking about healing. And I, I want you to know you need to be there at 730 downtown. Um, but here in just a few minutes, I have the honor of getting to introduce my hero. And that is simply uh, my dad. And um, he's about to come up here. To be honest with you, he's spoken across the entire world at any great church you can imagine. Um, speaking to literally hundreds of thousands of people. Um, they've seen thousands of salvations this year alone. It's been unbelievable. They've seen revival happen, and he's going to talk a little bit more about this, but I want to talk about the man that's about to come up here. And I want to speak to just the heartstrings of the moms and the dads in this room, that this man that's about to speak is not someone who has just stepped onto a stage and is successful up here, but I would argue to say is even more successful off the stage as a father and as a husband and as a man of integrity and as a man of values he is the real deal to the core he believes in every single person that he looks at he walks with people he pastors people and he encourages people and I just want to encourage you today to lean in because he truly is a hero in our faith he truly is someone who has changed literally millions of lives they've seen healings happen all over the place I grew up at an altar with him I had no choice but to be a Christian can I get an amen from all the people who grew up in church Give it up for my hero, Pat Schatzline. Come on, let's praise him. Oh, we got to shout, we got to shout, we got to shout, we got to shout. Somebody, this is the 11 o'clock service. Somebody help me preach. Oh, there's a guest, there's a visitor here going. Does that kind of a voice come out of a man? Feel like I'm at home? Well, I am. I love this place. I love the freedom that's here. Before you sit, before you sit, you know, in just a moment, I'm gonna bring a prophetic word to you. Everything in your life has led up to this moment. If you get a hold of this, you'll change your great-grandchildren. But see, what you have to understand is Karen and I just wrote a new book. It's going to be coming out in August, but it's called Restore the Roar. Restore the Roar is a message to the world how to defeat the spirit of fear with the breath and the power of God. The Bible says in Amos chapter 3, verse 8, as the lion roars, so the prophet speaks. Last September, I was in a hotel room. We were getting ready to go minister in Europe, and the Spirit of the Lord woke me up, and he said, what happened to your roar? He said, God, I'm tired. Will you just come through cancer battle? You'll hear about it tonight. Don't miss tonight. Everyone come tonight to the house downtown. You'll get delivered. I mean, it's going to be crazy. My favorite preacher's preaching. But there's been a man in my life throughout the years that has helped restore the roar. I wrote about it in my book, Unqualified. He wrote the forward because the Bible says that God uses the unqualified. 
I'm the most unqualified person in America. My report card looked like a music scale, A, B, C, D, E, F. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26 through 28, take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called in this life. I don't see many of the brightest and best among you, not many influential, not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that culture overlooks, exploits, and abuses? He chose the nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. The reason why I had Pastor write about this, and I'm going to be preaching a little bit from this today. The reason why I had Pastor write this forward, because at 17 years old, I was a volunteer youth pastor, and I showed up at a big youth pastor's event, and I felt like a nobody. I was like, I, I can't preach. I can't do that. I don't know. I don't want to do that. And there was a man on stage by the name of Lynn Berto when I was 17 that stopped and pointed at the back door, and he said, hey, you. I was getting ready to go home and quit from being a volunteer youth pastor, and I said, I didn't even know the guy on stage, Lynn Berto. He said, God didn't call you to fail. And I fell on the floor. I began to weep. 33 years later, I'm standing on the platform of that man. Y'all give it up for your pastor. 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 I love Glenn Berto and Deborah Berto. They are my family. You may be seated. Over the next few minutes, I've come to change your DNA. I've come to tell you that you are not a failure. I'm about to release a word to you that was birthed three years ago, and I wrote it last night. I wrote a little bit of it this week, rewrote it last night, because God said, I want you to deliver it here. Pastor called me. I've been talking about this for several months. Pastor called me a few months ago, and he said, I need you to come preach that priest and king thing. See, what you have to understand is, and by the way, I want to say how much I love my son. As we were coming over from the house downtown and I'm watching him, he's bragging on his dad. Well, I can do the same. Because God gave me the best and he's an unbelievable. He and Adrian are blowing it up with the youth ministry and the young adults. As you can tell, his looks came from me. All right, Karen did it. <laughs> but see, what you have to understand is, and by the way, our beautiful daughter, Abby, is right on the front row. <laughs> Abby is 16 years old, and we're excited because we're going to be announcing her wedding in 33 years, and so fired up about that. I don't know why you laughed. Well, I'm from Texas. I got guns, amen? <laughs> You get your ring doorbell. I got a ring nine. Amen. <laughs> Coming up in my house. Mm. But if you'll allow me for a few moments, I'm going to take you on a journey. Because there's two people inside of you. And what you may not understand is there's two people and they're at war, but they're called to walk together. Oh, I'm not talking about the flesh and the spirit man that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 8, Romans 7, Romans 8. I'm talking about two things that exist in you that no one ever taught me and I was taught wrong growing up, but I knew they were in me. And they're called the priest and king. 
But see, I was taught growing up, if you choose to go into ministry, you've got to go to the king and hold your hand out and say, will you bless the, will you bless the ministry? If you're a king, you've got to go to the priest and say, bless me. But instead of understanding, you have both of them inside of you. You have the authority to take over the land, but you also have the authority to bring your family back to the altar. God is about to release an anointing in this room as I preach a simple message called, Restore the Priest and King. Are you getting ready for this word? Somebody give him a shout. I'm going to give you in a moment three things that God told me to share with you. And if you'll do them, I promise you it will change your DNA. I'm not hyping this. I'm not, I'm telling you, I was at war just to get this word out. But God began to birth this inside of me. In fact, next year I'm going to write a book about this very thing because we have missed it in the church. I am here to declare that I have a word from my father that no matter how you were raised, no matter where you came from, no matter what was spoken over you, you are not a failure. You are not an orphan. I'm here to break a spirit of poverty off of this city. I'm here to say you're called to walk in blessing. I'm here to say you can live somewhere between amen and there it is. You can walk out your destiny. You I'm a man possessed. Because I'm tired of driving up and down the streets of Modesto when I come here and seeing people in lack. So what I'm about to share, you, Patty, you want them name it, claim it, preachers. I absolutely am not. I'm shout it and grab it. Why would you say something like that? Because I believe that lack does not follow revival. And when I get to heaven, I want to get there with nothing left to do. I want to live somewhere between amen and there it is. And I can't wait to get to heaven because it ain't going to be nothing but worship and food. Mm. I'm going to be like praising God drinking a bag of Skittles. <laughs> My family won't let me eat Skittles. They say it makes me weird. <laughs> I walk in the house and I'll be a little jumpy and my wife would go, did you go and get Skittles? <laughs> I got the rainbow. <laughs> the bite size rainbow. I had a friend that loves me for Christmas sent me a 10 pound bag of Skittles. I am not joking. I work out with it. <laughs> Talking about I'm going to lift. Are you ready for God's word? Let's restore the priestly king in the room. Open your Bibles to First Sam, or excuse me, First Peter chapter two. First Peter the second chapter. I'm going to read a few scriptures from the Passion Translation because I like it. But I love this word because God began to speak to me and he said, I want to restore the priest and king in the body of Christ. I'll go deeper into that in just a moment. But see, I always thought they were two different things. And see, so what I began to realize is that you can be both. But what you have to understand is I pray this every morning because not only do I uh, travel the world, we've traveled three million miles, not only do we write books and preach all over the world, but I also own a business. So every morning I wake up and I say, okay, Lord, I have priest and king inside of me. I'll say, I'm a priest, I'm a king. I'll say, God, which one's winning? Because see, in God's word, business leaders in the room, priests don't kill kings, kings kill priests. And I've met a lot of pastors who've allowed the priest to be killed in them. They're more about structure than they are intimacy with God. That's why I'm so excited about what happens here on Monday nights. This doesn't happen in hardly any church in America. So every morning I wake up and I say, Lord, who's winning? And he'll show me, priest or king, if this hand is higher, if the king is winning, I focus on the ministry that day. If the priest is winning, I focus on the, my business that day. It's brought balance to my life. But I want to prove it to you that it's actually lives inside of you. Because not only was David 
priest and king. People go, no, David wasn't a priest, really. Read the book of Acts, chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. Simon Peter said, and David, Acts chapter 2, verse 30, was a prophet. Jesus was priest and king. So we're going to release the priest and king in the room. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, anybody tired of being, being broke? Anybody want poverty broken off their house? This is your day. You better be prepared for it. And if you're easily offended at a messing unblessing, you don't need to be here. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, but you are God's chosen treasure, priest who are kings. A spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted one. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you as his very own. Somebody say, I belong to him. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. In other words, God says, I've anointed you to broadcast you. Listen to me. My dad sent me to tell you, it's time to make the dash on your tombstone count. You're not an oops. You're not an accident. You're not illegitimate. There's no such thing as an illegitimate child, just illegitimate parents. And you need to realize that you are not just some particle in space and time, some formula, just you happen to pop in here. Long before your great-grandmother was born, long before your grandmother was born, God knew you would be here this morning. He planned it. He put it on the calendar of heaven. And when you were born, he didn't. it doesn't matter if you were birthed out of misery, out of tragedy, out of rape, or love, or, or any of that. All that matters is that the moment you were conceived, God said, I'm going to use him. I'm going to use her. I'm going to raise them up. Now, they may go through some things, but you can't have compassion without first having pain. But I'm going to teach them how to live somewhere between amen and there it is. I'm going to teach them that regardless of what's tried to take them out, they may have a limp called brokenness. I'm going to raise them up, and I'm going to use them, and I'm going to take their tragedy and turn it into my triumph. Somebody else, because he makes it all good. But what you have to understand is your dash on your tombstone has to count. Why? Acts chapter 17 verse 26 says that God has appointed the times of your life. Time there is not chronos, it's kairos. It literally means in the Greek an epic appointed moment. And what you have to understand is your past shouldn't be your prison but your university. I'm going to say that again. Your past should not be your prison but your university. And God sent me to come and tell you something. Three years ago, Karen and I were down at the beach with Abby. We're down there. We're taking a little bit of a vacation because I'm about to speak at 27 or 26 youth conferences and churches all over America. I was exhausted. And I'm laying on the beach, and I'm sitting there, and Karen and Abby love to lay out. There's no reason. And all of a sudden, somebody's ringing doorbells going off. Listen. And all of a sudden... I look over at Karen, and she's, they love to lay out. I don't know why. My brain doesn't shut off. I struggle. And I'm laying there, and I'm trying to act like I'm enjoying vacation. And we were out there forever. And all of a sudden, I look over at Karen, and I said, how long have we been out here? She goes, 15 minutes. <laughs> ITM, it means in the moment. She does that to help me focus. So I thought about getting down and building a sandcastle, but then that gets really weird because I go very intense on that, and I bring in the backhoe, and I put up caution tape, and I threaten children. I'm like getting cans of hairspray to freeze it. I mean, you know how you got to do it. Do it or do it right. And all of a sudden, I'm laying there, and I said, God, I'm tired. And about that time, Holy Spirit speaks to me, and he says, are you ready for your next? I said, God, I'm ready for my next. And the Lord began to speak to me, and I said, God, I'm tired. 
And he said, you know, Pat, I didn't ask you to die for the church. I already did that. As I'm laying there, the Spirit of the Lord overwhelms me. And he says, I want to speak something to you. I want to talk to you about the king anointing, the priest anointing, the entrepreneur anointing. I want to give you the keys of the kingdom. I looked over at Karen. She looks at me and she goes, I feel the presence of God. I said, I got permission to go back to the condo. I said, can I go to the condo and write? So she gave me a pass, a, like a bathroom pass at school. And I went up into the condo and I sit down and the Holy Spirit begins to download a word to me. Can I share it with you? And I began to study the keys to the kingdom. Isaiah 22, 22 says God will give you keys to the house of David. Then I went to Matthew 16, 19 and I began to study. God says I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. The word keys is power and authority. And then as I began to pray, I see a prophetic vision of this belt around the waist of Jesus with all these keys. And God says, son, ask me for any key. Little keys open big doors. I began to write about the entrepreneurial anointing. A year later, Karen and I are back down at the beach because we're there for a board meeting. We're walking down the beach, and we do this almost daily. We Philippians 4, 6, we come into agreement. We pray for our family with, with thankfulness of heart. We make our petitions known. We pray for our kids. We pray for our grandkids. We pray for our ministry. We pray for our finances. And we're walking down the beach, and I said, Karen, let's pray for the keys to the kingdom. And all of a sudden, we take hands. We say, God, give us the keys to the kingdom. And at that exact moment, suddenly laying in the waves... No one was around. No one was there at the beach. And a wave rolled out. And I said, Karen, look. She goes, what? The wave, wave rolls back out again. And there was a key laying in the ocean. This is a true story. I run into the ocean. I grab the key. Now listen, if that belongs to somebody condo, that ain't my issue. You know what I'm saying? Don't be messing up my, my God moment. Talking about I got to go home. We framed it. We gave one to Nate and Adrian. Abby has one. Why? Does anybody want a copy of that key? I got one in my hand right here. If, 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 I, was, if I was desperate for God to do something in my family, I would just like, there you go. Now that's called next level. By the way, in a moment, I'll, I'll go deeper. But see, what you have to understand, as I'm laying up there in, in that condo, God begins to speak to me. And he gives me a prophetic word. How many of you know God will whisper to you? He always starts everything with a whisper. To Matthew chapter 10, verse 27, he'll go, you can save your family. You can start this business. You can walk in authority. Matthew 10, 27, what I will whisper to you, you'll someday proclaim. Remember what I read to you in 1 Peter 2, 9? You will broadcast. You're not getting this yet. Some of you will not be quiet. You won't turn off binge watching Netflix long enough to hear from God. He's trying to give you a word. You wonder why you walk around secular angry all the time. When's the last time you got lost in his presence? When's the last time you danced before him without asking for something? When's the last time you just laid in the floor and prayed in the Holy Ghost without asking for anything? When's the last time you went to war? See, I know what it's like to go to war. I know what it's like to go to battle. I know what it's like this last year for my wife's body to be under attack. And I'm at the altar every day saying, God, heal her of cancer. I know what it's like to be down at that same location at the beach when we had just found out that, that, that the cancer was in her body that she had leukemia and all of a sudden we she's getting ready to go preach to 25,000 women in Brazil I'm getting ready to go speak to five in Charlotte she's next level 
And all of a sudden, we're in the condo, and we're praying, and we're in the condo, the very condo where God speaks to me three years ago. And I'm going back to that, but I just got to share this one thing with you. Because we're standing there, no one's at the ocean, no one's at the beach, no one's, no one's there. And we're just kind, of, just kind of in that fog, like, why did the doctor say you had leukemia? Why is this going on? But we're not giving in. We won't speak it. And next thing you know, I'm standing in the middle of the condo, and I start hearing music. It's dark outside. There's nobody at the beach. And, and, and I'm, I'm hearing this music. And, 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 I, and I opened the sliding glass door, and there's a women's ministry from Louisiana down that decided to stand out and have a worship service in front of my condo down the beach. And this is the song that they're singing. ago. I'm sorry I had to do that little commercial. Talking about my pillow. God gave me a prophetic message in the condo three years ago and he said deliver it and I'm finally delivering it now. He said this, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. First, must, you must take back your health. Number two, he said, now it's time to release a new message. Then you must break the orphan spirit off my people and release my priestly kings into the entrepreneurial anointing. And the Lord began to speak to me, and you have to forgive me. I've gone long, but they've kept me on a leash the last three services I'm ready. <laughs> so number one, I'm going to tell the three things, and I'll be done. Number one, get ready. We're going to release something. Number one, God said, take back your health. I was 72 pounds overweight. I had acid reflux. I had plantar fasciitis. My family dies at a young age where people were preaching people's funerals before God's done with them. In ministry, everything's a sin but food, so we turn food into a sin. Pastors are dropping and dying all over the place. So I took back my health. Lost 72 pounds in five months. Karen lost 24 pounds. As of five minutes ago before I walked in here, we've helped three, three or four short. 24,996 people in, in three years. I said we've helped 24,996. In this corner over here, right down here is my brother who was 90 pounds overweight, had been on blood pressure medicine for 18 years. I said, let me help you take your, your health back. He lost 90 pounds. See, there's a moment where you begin to say, I'm going to take, so number one, why? Because First Thessalonians says, body, mind, and spirit. It says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Third John says, I wish that you would all live in health. Why am I sharing that with you? Because the Lord said, number one, take back your health. After that, I'll give you everything else. Second thing, God began to speak to me. He said, break an orphan spirit. Do you know what an orphan spirit is? Number one, God wants you to be healthy. Number two, an orphan spirit is when you really don't believe God likes you. When you really don't believe that God can protect you, that he can keep you, and you keep wandering off everywhere. What do you mean? Until the issue of paternity is solved in your life, you will always try to live with the wrong family. 
And in a generation where 34% have been raised without a dad, 72% in the inner city, we say things like worship the Heavenly Father, and we don't know what that is. And until you begin to realize who the Heavenly Father is, why is, what does it say in 1 John? The Bible tells us right here, look at this verse. It says, look with wonder at the depth of Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us. He has called us made us his very own beloved children the reason the world doesn't recognize him is we are uh, recognize who we are is that they didn't recognize him so number one take your health back three things god told me to do and i'm done number one take your health back number two break the orphan spirit well how do you do that all you do is jump over to six, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, where the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked. And then it goes on to it say, very simply, for what does righteousness have and wickedness have in common? God always does dichotomies. See, an orphan spirit is simply this. It's a spirit that says, okay, I think God likes me, but I don't know if he loves me. It's a spirit that says, see, my beautiful daughter's down here, and at nine months old, she joined our family from China. We went and got her, but you do not call her an orphan because she'll look at you and say, that's my dad. In fact, my credit card proves it. I'll tell you right now. Because it may not be my blood that flows through her. My spirit does. In fact, we really love her more than Pastor Nate. So here's what you got to understand. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, you know, you knew that. You figured it out. You, about 13, you started realizing. But see, there's a moment where you have to realize that God says, I want to break an orphan spirit. What does it want to say? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? See, some of you, why am I sharing these three things that God gave me? How to release the priest and king inside of you, the priestly king. How do you do that? Because until you begin to believe in who you are when you look in the mirror, until you, you believe, begin to believe who you are when you're in the prayer closet, you'll never grab your inheritance. You'll continually sit at the bottom of the table instead of at the seat beside him, Mark Luke promised. Because it goes on to say, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Belial sounds like some kind of weird contagion. Bro, don't sneeze on me. You got that Belial, don't you? It's like a Louisiana disease. Pastor's from Louisiana. <laughs> swamp people <laughs> so I, I thought what is Belial I wrote about it in the unqualified what is Belial I looked it up do you know that Belial is literally in every world religion it means chief demon or Satan do you know it's in video games do you understand that Belial when you look at it when you study what Belial literally means it means worthless to be pushed down and lawless the three things that attack a generation no not America yes 1972 we said babies are worthless Oh, you think that's weird? Well, just two weeks ago in New York City, they decided, or the city of New York decided it's okay to kill them when they're born with a, with a, with a, with a lawyer for Roe v. Wade. And if you sit there and go, yeah, but that's a woman's choice, let me tell you something. A child is a child. And this ain't about donkeys or elephant, it's about lambs. And I'm not getting political with you because I ain't got time for all that. But I will tell you this. In the 1950s, they lit up the Empire State Building on Easter with crosses. Two weeks ago, they lit it up as pink to say it's okay to kill children. 
So when you say a generation is worthless, when 25% of a generation is dead because of abortion, we wonder why that spirit is. What is the spirit of Belial? What does the Bible say? That what does wickedness have in common with God? What is Christ in Belial? Belial is the opposite of Jesus. What is Belial? Belial is a spirit that says you're worthless, and then we're going to push you down. You came from the wrong part of the town. You came from the wrong side of the tracks. You're too dumb. You're too stupid. Look who you are. You didn't go to the right school. You don't have enough money. So a generation is being told they're worthless. It's in the church. We begin to feel when we walk into the church I feel worthless I feel pushed down and then lawlessness breaks out lawlessness in community means I'll go in and shoot people at work or I'll go shoot up my school lawlessness in the church is ain't nobody gonna tell me what to do but look what's going to happen if you'll come out and be separated. Look at the next verse because it says it right here. And the Bible says that all of a sudden, but the Bible, Paul said it best. He said, come out from them, be separate, says the Lord, and I will be your father and you will be my children. That's called adoption. So number one, take back your health. Number two, get adopted. Quit feeling like a failure. Realize that when you walk into your prayer closet, anything you ask in his name can be yours. Begin to realize that my Bible says, I sit next to him on the throne. I'm a part of the family. I'm so glad. I'm a part of the family of God. Heard that when I was a little boy. My God has a big house. I'm getting a little hyper. I need a Skittle. Give me a rainbow. And then the third thing God sent me to tell, I just got to share this with you. He said, raise up priestly king entrepreneurs. Release them. I said, Lord, I don't even know how to do that. I'm not an entrepreneur. He said, really? So take back your health. Become an or uh, break the orphan spirit. And then number two, I said, Lord, I don't even know what all that means. So I began to study the priestly kings. I said, I don't even know what that means. Revelation 1 verse 6, look what it says right here. And he made us kings and priests for dominion. Okay, that's cool. Then I went to Revelation 5. What does it say right there? And, he had and, and you have caused them to become kingdom of priests. I went, okay, that's cool. Then I went to 1 Peter 2, 9, which I read to you earlier. But you are God's chosen treasure, priest who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart. And God began to speak this to me. And he said, I'm going to raise up entrepreneurs in the church. They can walk in the anointing of God, but they can walk in the supernatural. Have I gone too long? Just making sure. Because if you get a hold of this, you will change your family. And then I began to realize that those Revelation verses come from the original Jewish charter, which was given to the Jewish nation. And this is what it says in the Jewish charter. If ye will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then shall ye be to me kingdom of priest. Yeah, but Pat, kings and priests are two separate things, really. David was a king and priest. Jesus is a king and priest. You're called to be a king and priest. Wake up every morning, ask God which one's winning. Watch the balance of your life. You have the power to walk in and be blessed and see supernatural things and take back the land. You have the power to get on your knees and scream, this is how I fight my battles. It may look like... Exactly. See, what you got to understand is God sent me to come and tell you, walk in the entrepreneurial anointing. He sent me to, what do you mean, Pat? Psalms 22, verse 29. If you, if you are uniquely gifted in your work, you will rise and be promoted. You won't be held back. You'll stand before kings. Well, if you're uniquely gifted in your work, you will rise and be promoted. You won't be held back. You'll stand before kings. What do you mean? Watch. Do you know the Bible's full of entrepreneurs? I mean, you have to understand, Noah owned the first boat. <laughs> yeah. Talking about a crazy idea. 
But what does Hebrews 11:7a say? No one knowing it's going to rain built an ark for his family. I'm calling on everyone in this place to build arks for your family. You know what arcs are? Times that things that will save you. When I walk through my house and I see all the books, those were arcs at different times in our family. You do understand Isaac redug the ancient wells. Every time he dug a well, somebody put dirt on it. He just kept digging. Finally, they're like, dude, we can't mess with you. You just get blessed. All through God's word. Jacob had a dream about, about a speckled and spotted sheep after he paid his tithe. Joseph cornered the market on commodities. I'm, I'm just preaching Bible. It's getting weird, isn't it? David killed a giant. <laughs> and then what happened with David? He kills a giant. Doesn't have to pay taxes anymore. That should make you go slain in the spirit right there. <laughs> Remember what he said when he's sitting around the fire? He said, hey, so what? Hey, so, yeah. Um, so, mm, what do I get if I kill that guy, Goliath? Well, he had already killed the lion and the bear. You know what the lion and the bear are, right? The lion's the thing that pounces on you. Be sober, be diligent for the devil. Your adversary is like that of a lion. So that's insecurity and fear. Then he kills the bear. What's the bear? It's the thing that hibernates in your life and only comes out when it's hungry. It's called lust. If you play dead, it won't get you. And then you'll face Goliath, which means splendor or ravaging spirit. Don't ask God for Goliath till you kill the bear. But then what happens, he's sitting around the fire and all of a sudden he goes, so what do I get if I kill this, if I kill this giant? And David's like, I've gotten really good with this slingshot thing because I'm really, really bored out in the woods. <laughs> oh, you get to marry the princess. You get to be a prince. You don't have to pay taxes. He's like, well, I've seen her. I saw her at the parade. <laughs> like, let's do this. <laughs> he hadn't even been to prom yet. He's like, let's do it. And then what happens? Everything opens up. See, understand, the entrepreneur is all through God's word. Paul made tents, and some are very spiritual people in the room that'll go, yes, Pat, but he made talits, prayer shawls. Eh. He did not. He made tents for the Roman Empire. If you don't believe it, go to Greece. We were in Greece last year. They still have Paul's race. He sponsored the first boat race. He took a year and a half off ministry to build tents for the Roman Empire. That's why he's a Roman citizen. He also wrote 14 of 27 books. He was busy. What am I trying to say to you? Take back your health. Realize you're not an orphan so you can sit at the king's table. And God will release a kingly anointing on you called the priest and king anointing to step in the entrepreneur. I'm almost done. I'm hurrying. I'm lying. But it's what the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8. See, I, I've never, Nate will tell you, son, will, he'll tell you, I have never preached on anything like this except for the entrepreneurial when God began to release it to me three years ago. And so, let me, do you know that God wants to bless you? Look what it says. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. But see, I was taught, I was raised up to believe. See, some of you don't even understand that God will release the gift of faith in this room. What does 1 Corinthians 12, 9 say? Of all the gifts of the Spirit, it speaks of the gift of faith. We don't talk about that in the body of Christ very much. We talk about speaking in tongues. We talk about signs and wonders. We talk about miracles, word of knowledge, healing. But right in the very middle is, and to some he gave faith. I never heard this growing up. If you want the gift of faith, I want to warn you when you do this, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and some of you may have to come to the altar, but I'm not done. 
But all over this room, if you say, Pat, I want, I started praying for the gift of faith three years ago. Everything changed radically. We see miracles. We see signs and wonders. Anything that we, we need a miracle for our family, we prayed. It happens. So you go ahead and be normal. You go ahead and play small. But I got a big, big God who can span the universe with one hand, who knows when every sparrow touches the ground and knows every hair on my head. And I want him to fix that too. What do you mean? Who wants the gift of faith? Raise your hands right now. God will hit you with it right now. I'm not being weird. I'm being very serious. Holy Ghost is hitting the room right now. Pray this. In fact, if you really want it and you can handle what I'm about to preach for the next 15 minutes and then I'm done, you stand to your feet. If you want the gift of faith, pray this out loud. And I'm warning you because some of you are going to go, oh! Why? Because it's a very, it's sandwiched. It's the middle gift. And it says, and to some, the gift of faith. Lift your hands. If we can pray for the baptism of fire, you can pray for the gift of faith. So raise your hands and say, God. I receive the gift of faith. He's going to start whispering. He's going to start whispering to you. He's going to start overwhelming you. Sit down. I'm not done. See, because what you have to understand is God sent me to tell this, and I have gone too long, but I, I have to get this out. Jesus said in Matthew 19, with man it's impossible, with me it's not. Do you know why the Jews are the most hated group of people? And I was just at a Jerusalem supper last week in Washington, D.C. Karen and I were there for the, for the presidential prayer breakfast. And they were talking about the persecution of the Jews. How many of you know you're called to bless Israel? Here's why they will never give the land up because God said. That's why we're celebrating the 70th anniversary of Israel this year. And what you have to understand is, but do you know why the Jews are so hated? Because they walk in the Abrahamic covenant that God will bless them regardless. That's why they're considered the 1%. That's why everything they touch gets blessed. But you have to understand, do you know that the Jews literally, and oh, by the way, as believers, you're now a part of that Abrahamic covenant. Remember what he said to Abraham, Genesis 22? What do you see? Look, look down. What do you see? Sand. So shall your seed be. Look up. What do you see? Stars. So shall your heavenly seed be. Romans 11, Romans 13, we're grafted to, to the vine, to the olive plant. Anyway. But what you have to understand is the Jews pray this in the morning time before they even get out of bed and you wonder why they're blessed. I am grateful before you, living and eternal king, for returning my soul to me with compassion. You are faithful beyond measure. When's the last time before you even got out of bed you said, God, you are faithful? But see, what you have to understand, church, is all through God's word, it speaks of entrepreneurs. It speaks of those that God has been raised, going to raise up. What do you mean, Pat? I'll prove it to you. Do you understand this? The church has been silent too long. Do you realize that the devil wants to steal from you? He wants to steal your destiny. Look what John 10, 10 says. Watch this. It's pretty powerful. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in more than you. Life in it until you. That ought to make you get excited. Because see, what you have to understand is there are four causes of poverty. I'm not going to go into this. and I don't have time to go deep into it. But the first is oppression. The second is misfortune. The third is laziness. The fourth is cultural poverty. Poverty pre 
breeds poverty. But I love what uh, uh, C, uh, Dr. C. Thomas Anderson said. Maybe this helps. Poverty is a belief of the heart, not a condition of being without money. It is time to break poverty off of Modesto. My family lives here. I want to walk down the streets. I want to go down coffee. I want to go down this area. And I want to say, poverty, get out of this place. Let flowers and abundance come forth. Let miracles. People in this room are going to begin to step into supernatural finances and ideas. Somebody give him a shout. But we got to change our thinking. What do you mean, Pat? Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do I renew my mind? I simply begin to realize that I am not an orphan. I belong to him so that I can test what he brings to me or what comes my direction. What is God's perfect will? Can I just say it? The church has been silent too long. We've lost our voice. You know why I love this house? Because we have a thing called Nineveh. You know why I love this house? Because we're launching a 24-hour prayer center. You know why I love this house? Because of all the house parties that are breaking out in the youth ministry. You know why I love this house? Because there's a move of God breaking loose in this place. You know why I love this house? Because it preaches truth and it doesn't bow to culture. Are you getting this so far? You know why I love this house? Because you'll let a gangster stand up here and rap and it'll go viral. I do not understand why no one has ever asked me to sing on their CD or rap, but it's coming. <laughs> See, you gotta realize the king wants to bless you. The Garden of Eden has four streams. You should ask God for four streams. It makes all the oceans. I asked God for four streams. Abraham had 11 streams. God says, I wanna bless you. Take back your health. Realize you're not an orphan. Realize that you can walk in the priest and king anointing. The day of us going and saying, and I'll never forget, it was a year ago this month. I'm sitting on a flight with Karen, and I'm like, Karen, I'm just praying. I'm having prayer time. And, and all of a sudden, I'm just praying. I said, Lord, would you bring a benefactor? I want to fill stadiums. I want to put unqualified book in every prison in America. I want to do all this stuff. Bring a benefactor. Other ministries have benefactors, God. Bring us benefactors. And you know what God said to me? What if I make you the benefactor? <laughs> and I went and I turned to Karen and I said God just asked me what if I make you the benefactor but no God I was so poor when we was growing up we'd take a button to somebody's house and say show a, sew a shirt on it I was raised broke. My parents paid for groceries with food stamps. We killed 70 rats. I know what it's like to stand at the end of the truck to catch the bread. I know what it's like to get the government cheese, the blocks of it. I'm telling you right now, you can make some great grilled cheese sandwiches, though. There ain't nothing like that. No brand Velveeta. Come on. But I said, Lord, how do I step into that blessing? I'm, I'm evangelist. I'm just an author. And he said, son, I'll walk you through this thing. Can I, can, I, can I wrap this up? Because some of you are getting a hold of this, and we are about to have the gift of faith hit this house, and you'll have to forgive me for going so long. But I'm excited about this because I've waited a long time to release this because I had to convince myself before I could release it. And what you have to understand is one of my favorite verses, Hebrews 11, 11, It says, and Sarah judged God faithful. I challenge you for the next 15 days, 30 days to get out of bed every morning and stand up and say, I judge you faithful. It's the only time he's judged in the Bible. And what you have to understand is all through God's word, there are people that he would raise up.
his entrepreneurs. I'm reminded of Acts chapter 16. Remember what happened? Paul is preaching in Acts chapter 16. He goes to the shore. It's, it's Sabbath, and it says there's people there at the shore. Paul is going to preach, and there's a woman there named Lydia, a maker of fine purple. She was wealthy. And the Bible says she gets so rocked by God that all of a sudden this entrepreneur, this woman who's wealthy, gets so rocked by God, she walks up to Paul. First it says her and her whole family were baptized, which is powerful because it's time for some household salvation. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden it says she walks up to Paul and says, hey, you guys want to stay with me? You got a big house. All the missionaries come stay with me. What's the big deal about that? Why is this an axe in that little section an axe? I'm going to tell you why. Because the church at Philippi was birthed in her home. She launched a small group that became the house that wrote the book. Have you ever read the book called Philippians? That's where they delivered those letters. So I wonder how many times she walked in the living room, this entrepreneur who stepped into a priestly king anointing, who had a move of God on a seashore. One day, a woman of fine purple, a woman that was very wealthy, and she'd walk into the house and say, hey, everybody gather around, gather around. I got a letter from the apostle. He said for me to tell you, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Hey, everybody gather around. I just went to the mailbox. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Philippians 1 says, being confident in this, that he who keep, keeps, who began the good work will complete it. Oh, oh, church members gather around. The apostle sent us a letter. And my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. <laughs> all started with an entrepreneur, led to the house church being birthed in Philippi in her home, which led to a letter called Philippians. Give my God a praise. Tell me he can't raise up priests and kings. Psalms 35, 27, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Psalms 112, it's called breaking curses. I'm about to close. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. You say, Pat, is this a name it, claim it sermon? Good Lord, no. It's shout it and grab it. It's watch my God take care of things. It's watch God handle this. There's entrepreneurs in this room. This youth ministry is going to be filled with millionaires that finance the kingdom. back your health. Realize you get to sit at the king's table. You're not an orphan. Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing the Lord brings wealth and he adds no trouble to it. He'll give it to you if he can get it through you. What does the Bible say in Proverbs 23, verse 4, uh, four through 5? Do not wear yourself out to get rich. It isn't about that. It's 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. The love of money is the root of all evil. I don't love money. We need finances for the kingdom. Let's close. Let's get ready to close. Worship team, come up so they'll think I'm closing. <laughs> come fake him out. He's closed. Number two, be a tither. It rebukes the devourer. I'll never forget, man. Somebody tried to break in my house one day. I was on a plane and I just started, Karen calls me. She says, somebody's breaking in the house. It's 5.30 in the morning. For 30 minutes, I was out of touch. But all I said was, I pay my tithe. For 30 minutes, I didn't freak out. I said, I pay my tithe. 
Tithe brings me up to even with God. Number three, begin to realize this. And some of you don't even tithe and you want God to trust you. Can't let a thief in your house. Seek God's kingdom first, not your own. Matthew 6, 33. Let God anoint you to be a giver. Just like there's gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, there's gifts that come at salvation at grace called the Romans 12 gifts of grace. They come the minute you get saved. And what is, look what it says. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to break a spirit of poverty off of you and your family. Generational stuff. Some of you get your mind blown in the next 24 hours. You think I'm crazy? I know. You should have seen my report card. But see, what you have to understand, get a, get a big God idea. He'll give you ideas. Go to sleep with pen and paper. The embers of revival are created by the flames of innovation. And by the way, a vision without action is just a hallucination. Winston Churchill said it best. He said, you, you, you live life by what you get. Well, you, you make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. Some of you have been through some really dark seasons. But you know what I found out about dark seasons? I was in a dark season when God began to speak to me that we would launch a business and a lot of other stuff, and he's blowing our minds with it. But see, what you have to understand is why. Because God says, I'll blow your mind. Do you know in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul said, he said, out of your great poverty you've given, and you've been given an account in heaven. Do you know you have a right to make a withdrawal from an account, or it's not an account? You know how many times we've gone through dark seasons when we went through that with, with Karen? I've fallen on my knees, and I said, God, I've preached to 2 million teenagers. I'm making a withdrawal off my account. Some of you have a full account in here. Don't get to heaven and find out about what you missed out on. I'm not talking about things. Some of you need God to do miracles in your family this morning. But you know what? It's in the dark seasons that God usually births something. Look at the wisest man that ever said, lived rather. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, 3. As dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech. Your darkest moment, God will give you a dream. Look what Paul goes on to say. You are supposed to find, or excuse me, Solomon said, goes on to say, so that you can find satisfaction in what you do. There's some godly rules for launching a dream. Get out of debt. Be a giver. Get organized. Learn some leadership principles. Come under authority. Get a family consensus. consensus create a plan. All that. I don't have time to go through all that. But I can give you some great ideas of some dreamers. Last week we were in D.C. and there was a guy standing in the middle of the hotel lobby. As we're going to get coffee, Karen goes, that's the MyPillow guy. I ran to him. I said, bro, your pillows. I really did. Next thing you know, we build a relationship. He begins to tell me that he was a cocaine addict. Then he found Jesus. And then he's having a dream one night right after all this happens. And God comes and whispers to him in a dream how to build a pillow. He wakes up, launches a business. In 40 days, he has to hire 500 employees. You know what he was in D.C. for last week? 
for the presidential prayer breakfast, you know what he was held also there for? To give a million dollars to a film on why we should adopt children, not abort them. My friend David Green, who founded Hobby Lobby, started in a basement or in his garage off a $600 loan, $700 loan, I think it is. Yeah. $600 loan. And he said, God, if you'll bless this, I'll give you 90%. We've stood in his office, held the scrolls of Isaiah. He launched the Museum of the Bible. We've held his family scroll. It says, when we die, we take nothing with us. It all goes to missions. 90% of everything that comes to Hobby Lobby goes to missions. My friend, I'm closing. My friend Jeff Martin was in Indiana preaching one Sunday years ago, and I stopped and I said, you, you had a dream last night that you were going to build something, and God's going to make you very wealthy. God says, do it. He starts weeping. God had given him a dream on how to build training wheels for motorcycles for kids. He went from being a school teacher to a brilliant entrepreneur, pastor. Why am I sharing all that with you? I'll close with this. Hey, we got a letter from Paul. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Philippians 4.4. peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. It started with an entrepreneur who caught a vision sitting on a Sunday morning at church. Bible. Acts 16. He said, take back your health. He said, Pat, you're not an orphan. But God, my dad was a drug addict. He got saved. My mom had nervous breakdowns. I took a gun out of her hand. We grew up with rats. We grew up. He said, Pat, you're not an orphan. Quit acting like one. I'm just preaching my testimony, by the way. This really wasn't for you. This is for me. But then all of a sudden, God begins to speak to Karen and I and, and to do all this stuff. And we're like, okay, Lord, all right, you told us to do this. Launch business ministry. Write these books. But it's like we're delayed. And we moved our ministry to Dallas. And it felt like there was a spirit, just a delay. And all of a sudden, I was on television. And uh, Cindy Jacobs, who's a prophetic voice in America, walks up to me. And all of a sudden, she goes... You know you have a spirit of delay on you. Oh, future millionaire. Get in business. I said, what? Cindy goes, you have a spirit of delay on you. I said, the spirit of delay? You got to break the spirit of delay. You got to break the spirit of delay. I said, spirit of delay, what do you mean? I know God's told us all this. How many of you ever felt like you had delay on your life? Like... I'm telling you, if you do this, her mom and dad read my article. You can go to my Instagram, Pat Schatz, and read the whole thing. They read the article, 12 years their land had been for sale. They walked out, read the article, stood on the front porch of their trailer in Georgia, prayed against the spirit of delay like I told them to, and an hour later, people driving by from Florida bought the land with cash. No, I'm not done. Two weeks ago, I talked about the spirit of delay in Tampa with this couple that came to me and said, we've been trying to sell our house for two years. And I said, okay, here's what the Lord said. Let's break the spirit of delay. But tomorrow you have 12 people that are going to bid on your house. There's going to be a bidding war. They said, there's no way. It's been for sale for two years. Next day, 12 people came. They beat, They went on a bidding war. Sold. Pastor John Kilpatrick, very dear to Karen and I, wrote the forward for our last book, Rebuilding the Altar. He called us one day and he said, hey, I need y'all to come down here 
and, and pray over my house. Do that delay thing. <laughs> He's country. Went to his house. His house had been for sale for two years. We stood on his front porch. Karen and I prayed against the spirit of delay. The next day it sold. So it's real. So what do you mean it's real? First Thessalonians, Paul said, I wanted to come to you, but the enemy delayed me. Daniel chapter 10, the spirit of the Lord came to Daniel. The angel of the Lord said, God heard your prayer on the first day, but we've been doing battle for 21 days. Delay. So all of a sudden, Karen and I began to realize there's delay in our life. We began to pray. The Lord said four things. He said, number one, build me an altar. James 4, 8, come near to God. Number two, come in agreement. Matthew 18, we come in agreement. Husband and wives, come in agreement. Number three, take authority. We have authority, Luke chapter 10. Then number four, you know what the Lord said to me? Sow a seed, an uncommon seed. I said to the Lord when he was speaking this to me, we had just moved. Our, it was like there was holes in our pockets. I said, Lord, what do you mean? I don't have anything to sow. He said, someone just gave you a vehicle. I know. What do you want me to do with it? Give it away. But God, our ministry needs this vehicle. He said, give it away. I gave it away. Next day, within three days, three times that vehicle came into our ministry. I wish everybody would go ahead and flood the altar so we ain't got to invite you. Come on, we're about to have an altar call. Balcony, let's go. Who it me look like? I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Because this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. I'm waiting on everybody to come down. Then we're going to pray. We're going to break this thing off people. This is how I You're going to have miracles begin to happen. Little louder. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my became that seed and the first thing we got to do is get our lives right don't ask God for the blessing if you're not willing to have the submission because he does not have favorites he honors obedience and all over this room if you've got sin in your life God's saying sell out to me right now 
give me every part of you right now. I will do miracles in your life. I was the righteous seed planted on the earth for God so loved the world that he gave. And he gave his only begotten son. He gave his boy to have you. And all over this room, if you have sin in your life or you backslidden or walked away from God, no music, stop. All over this room, there's a heavy moment. Eyes from the floor to the balcony, looking down. God is saying, I'm ready to do something so big in this room. I'm ready to break curses, but you got to submit yourself all to me. And if you say, I need God to forgive me and change me and be Lord, raise your hand and shake it now. And when you do that, chains called orphan spirit are about to break off. Shake it if you need God to forgive you. Now, everyone pray this all over the house say Jesus I choose you this is my day you are the Christ you are the Savior Jesus save me forgive me Jesus help me here he comes. Holy Ghost is running towards you right now. He's about to fall upon you right now. The presence of God. Years of feeling like an orphan, feeling like a nobody. He's hitting your spirit right now. He's hitting your spirit right now. Say, Jesus, I receive you. Say, I receive you. I receive you. Say, Jesus. I choose you. Cause it may look like Now here's what we're going to do. Every student in this place, every young adult. I don't care if you're 70. I've got friends that are in their 70s that are taking back their health and their finances. I've got friends in their 80s right now. I've got friends that are like in their 60s with no retirement that we're helping relaunch. All. Why? Because it's understanding health, no more orphan. Stepping into the priest of the king anointing. We already broke the spirit of delay, so y'all gonna have crazy stuff happen. I'm just telling you now. I'm not joking. It, your, your spirit of delay may be on family members that are not safe. It may be on a loan you're waiting on. Some of y'all need to get crazy about your finances. When, I, when Karen and I don't have enough, we just give it away. I'm the biggest giver in our ministry. You know why? Because I want to be. I just told the Lord, I said, I'm, I'm tired of it. But I'm telling you, here's what the thing that God wants to do. Well, how do you start a business and do all that you're talking about? It's a process. Don't dive into it without wisdom. Train. Oh, by the way, talents and giftings are signs of future finances. You need to know that. Okay? They just are. But what you have to understand is God wants to break poverty mindset off of you first. Because if you carry poverty mindset into your next venture... That's called a scarcity mindset. Fear will consume you. That's why Karen's preaching on that tonight. Don't miss that tonight. Get down there. Better get there early because I think we're going to run out of room. But, but all over this house, if you say, Pat, my family has been broke or we get wealthy or we lose it or you're just poor like I was raised or whatever it is, and you say, I'm done with it. I'm tired of poverty. If you want poverty broken off, you raise both hands now. Come on, students. Here it comes. Say this out loud. Say, God, I'm not angry at the way I was raised because my, I will not allow it to be my prison but my university. So say, God, I forgive what poverty did to me. I forgive those that have stolen from me. But God, I trust you. I'm your child. So in Jesus' name, 
Do your hands like this. I haven't done this in any of the service, but the Holy Spirit just told me to do this. Do your hands just like that. When I count to three, you're going to break the chains of poverty off of this place. And some of you are going to have crazy miracles start breaking out. Say, in Jesus' name, I renounce poverty. I will be a giver. I will be faithful. I will walk in righteousness. And in Jesus' name, I want poverty broken off my family. I will dream. I will write it down. I will plan. I will trust the Lord. In Jesus, louder, in Jesus' name, I want poverty broken off my life. You ready? One, begin to, when, you, when, I, when we get to three, I want you to scream freedom. Two, three! Yeah.